what really gets my dick hard is Hey everyone, this is Tom Quee here from Alpha Metallica, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Are we doing alright? Did we all come here to kick some fucking ass or what? Well, I tell you, if you came here to see fucking spandex and fucking makeup and hairspray and all this crap, this ain't the fucking band. We came here to bash our fucking heads together for 45 minutes. What about you? All right. Do you know? Do you all know Cliff Burton over here? Everyone, hi, Cliff. How you doing? Welcome to Middle Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And this week is episode number 73, and uh, we're going to continue on with uh, the year-by-year series we're doing, uh, Year in the Life of Metallica, and this is going to be 1985. Yeah, well, it, you know, our schedules are getting really busy this spring. It makes more sense to camp out in the, uh, I guess we're like sort of doing an encyclopedia-type deal here. Yeah. Where we're just burning down in rigorous detail everything the boys did in these various years. We're in 1985, right after, uh, they're still touring Lightning. Uh, they've got some really big festival shows, and then of course, in 1985 is when they start recording Master of Puppets, generally considered to be one of the greatest metal records of all time. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it's actually in the Library of Congress. Yeah, it is. Isn't it like the only metal record in there? Yeah, I think so. Oh, it's the first one. That yeah, was put in. That's awesome. That's so. That's so great. Before we get into all that, if you're joining us for the first time or you're a new listener, Ethan and I are two professional musicians based out of Nashville, Tennessee. We get together once a week, every week, to talk about Metallica, because we like that band. I kind of like them. Is that fair to say? We like I, Metallica. I think it's it's fairly fair to say we like them. Ethan and I, when we became friends, we would meet up at our favorite bars around Nashville, and we would just talk endlessly about everything that we've been talking about on this podcast. Right. <laughs> and we decided we should just have those same conversations, but with microphones. Yeah. And since we've started, I guess, about a year and a half ago... We've cultivated this really great community of Metallica fans. We've all been learning a lot. We've all been on the ride together. We've been gone to some shows. We've made a lot of new friends. It's been a really fun trip. It really has been, man. And, and it's cool to like. Uh, I know you're not you're not on Facebook, but you know some of our our listeners who became friends. I'm now friends with on Facebook. So, for instance, you know Sarah Sobek, uh, our friend, is now right now currently over in Europe. She went to like the I think Oslo and Stockholm shows, maybe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's just cool seeing her post photos on there of her and her husband over there going to the shows and meet and greet and all that stuff. It's it's really cool to see. Yeah, and, you know, we're friends with a lot of the other dudes that do Metallica podcasts. Our friend Tom, Queer Red Alpha Metallica, and Speak and Destroy, uh, Metallichat, all these other podcasts that have crept up. Um, largely, they've said, inspired by our show, Single Podcast Theory, the Pearl Jam podcast, that Sabbath bloody Sabbath dude doing yeah. the Sabbath shit. Um, it's, it's been cool. really cool. Yeah. It's cool that like you know just something we're we're doing you know for fun just because we love this band has encouraged people to get out there and put themselves out there and start a podcast. Maybe they were like me before I started my first one, kind of nervous to put something out there. Like, man, is it going to be good? Are people going to like it? So it's it's really cool to see people have kind of you know stood up and be like, all right, here we go. I'm going to do it. Clint and Ethan have inspired me. We're you know ins- what we do? We're inspirational. You know, yeah. Do you know what we do? We inspire. That's right. We need uh, we need uh, an inspirational poster of the two of us, and it has some yeah. some quote, you know. 
Keep calm and start a Metallica podcast. <laughs> yeah, everyone's doing it, man. It's so 2018. Here's a few quick housekeeping things before we get into uh, some emails and then we get into 1985. If you like the show and you haven't already, consider clickety-clacking your way over to iTunes and leaving us a positive review. It goes a long way uh, in us becoming more visible and people who may be checking us out for the first time. They see your positive review. They think that you have good things to say. They trust you. So help them find us. We also have this Patreon thing. You're going to hear about that a little later. We are doing a giveaway this month, five gifts for our patrons. I can't do them today because I am in Florida on the road. I don't have all that shit in front of me, but it's coming. It's happening. It's happening. It's so happening. And for, for the next, really the next several months, we're going to be doing gifts just exclusively for patrons. So it's patreon.com backslash metal podcast. Go check that out there. We're on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're there. Uh, YouTube. Just look up Metal Up Your Podcast. Whatever your favorite terrible thing is, we're on that. <laughs> we got a great website, Metal Up Your Podcast at Gmail, metalupyourpodcast.com, <laughs> where you can find t-shirts and stickers and buttons, and you can listen to every episode, and you can listen to other podcasts Ethan and I have been on. It's a one-stop shop for everything Clinton Ethan. That's right. And Se- sexy photos. Uh, you, can yeah. da- you can download our 2018 calendar. There's the Melody Podcast calendar with me posing with various motorcycles. and Yeah. Um, I, mine are mostly like uh, 80s, you know, Ferrari Testarossas, Lamborghini Countach, washing them, of course. You know, <laughs> got to keep them spick and span. Oh, do you want me to clean it more here? Oh. Is this getting it cleaner? Oh, did I miss a spot? Whoopsie. <laughs> oh, I dropped the rag. <laughs> Hey, I do want to mention real quick again, if I could, uh, we talked about more in detail in the last episode, but if you guys are interested, I am uh, about to make a cool dub reggae kind of record with Paul Moak. Paul? Paul? Um, and I've got a Kickstarter going. There's still like 20-something days left. So if you go to Kickstarter, just search Ethan Luck, you'll find uh, my project. And if you want to check it out, watch the video, listen to a clip. There's two songs you can download for free if you contribute. So uh, yeah, go check that out too. It's, good. it's a good year, man. It's a good year to be, write a reggae record. <laughs> we're we're, uh, we're going we're gonna to see Metallica this year several times. We've made a lot of new friends. You're going to make a reggae record. We're making the Lunar Satan record. We're making our cover, Our World Blackened, Volume 2 EP. So many things happening. It's really, it's really cool. Oh, yeah. one, of the cool, one of the coolest things about the show is we get emails from literally all over the world every week, more than we can um, read on the show, but we'd like to take a little bit of time. And uh, check in with the Metal Up Your Podcast community and see what's going on. So let's let's go into the email corner. Love it. All right. Our first email is from uh, Anderson, Samuel J. <laughs> he says, what's up, guys? Just started uh, listening to your podcast, and I'm totally fucking digging it. You guys seem down to earth and are just as much of fans as uh, people like me. I love what you guys do, and I hope that you guys uh, never run out of material. Uh, uh, sorry, I read that wrong. I hope that, I hope that if you guys ever run out of uh, material, you do another podcast. Have a good one, guys. Sam. Yeah, we've we've we of course we've talked about that. You know, like at some some point, uh, when can what can we talk about this week? So we're not worrying about that right now but maybe it'll it'll morph into more of a uh, just a general music podcast we don't know we're not really worried about it right now though yeah we'll see i definitely appreciate the sentiment it's very nice of you uh anderson comma samuel j junior senior our, our next email is from fabricio roig hey guys new listener here from lima peru new jersey haha huge metallica fan since i was four years old four years old wow wow uh, just in in that crib, riding the lightning. Yeah, totally, yeah just throwing his pacifier against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
just thrashing all around in that crib. He says, <laughs> I'm currently recovering from a corneal transplant surgery, so I can't watch any TV or even get out of bed much. After browsing for good podcasts, I came across this one. At first, I didn't think there was that much you could say about Metallica to do a Metallica-only podcast and keep it good. He says, uh, but damn it, I gave it a chance. What is he saying? He says, but damn it, I gave it a chance and was brought back to the Metallica world. You made me remember that my dad presented the songs to me when I was a little kid. Uh, he talks about his dad playing Whiplash for him. He says, the main things I want you guys to remember from Metallica, now that you're doing the live shit reviews, is what I call the Metallica silence. When they pause the song and create suspense that leads into the next riff, like we pointed out with Harvester of Sorrow. He says his favorite Metallica silence is the one in Creeping Death, where James just laughs. Oh my god, what a moment. Best Metallica moment ever. There's also one in the live concert where the silence for Fade to Black... Oh, he talks about, you know, going into that... When James was going to do that part, his guitar was still clean that his tech didn't change it over to a distorted That's right, sound yeah <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny he totally. says sorry for the long mail uh but i just binge listened to 14 episodes in two days wow nice dude um he says which one is your favorite metallica silence i like the one in sad but true yeah that, that's immediately what i thought of when i read this email and there's a good one in dream no more also Yep. He, he ends by saying, great podcast. Keep it up, guys. I'm writing my review on iTunes, and I will be on Patreon once I recover from my eye for sure. Well, Fabricio, we wish you a speedy recovery and, and much health to you with your corneal transplant. That, yeah. sounds, that sounds very intense. I don't know much about that. But I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we could be a part of your uh, recovery process. I really appreciate the, yeah. uh, the email. Keep on binging those episodes while you recover, man. Binge on, bro. Yeah, dude. All right, next email is from uh, Cole Cahill. 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 I can never do last names. Uh, hey, guys, love the show. I've been listening since episode three. You couldn't listen to one and two? <laughs> yeah. Listening Still to- hasn't. Yeah, Still hasn't like, heard him. I don't want to know about these guys. Um, <laughs> been listening since episode three, and I've been listening to ever since. Uh, I got to thinking the other day that I've been listening to Metallica forever, and I still love their songs, even though I've heard them a thousand times. So I came up with a question. If you could rediscover one Metallica album again, hearing it for the first time, which one would it be? Thanks for reading and keep kicking ass. I love learning about Metallica. Hmm. So re, like, uh, rediscover it as in hearing it for the first time. Again. Yeah. Which, you know, like, I never got to... Well, that's a good question. What's What do you think? What do you think your answer would um, be? <clears throat> I'd probably still have to go with the first one I ever bought would be just... I'm sorry, um, Puppets. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like, it's such an exciting record, and it obviously stands the test of time on record and live. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those records that you know when I remember first hearing it, like just being like, "Wow!" Like I could, this is like thrash metal, but it's melodic. There's catchy parts and this and that. So I think yeah, to to go back and re-listen to that for the first time would be pretty awesome. I'm gonna have to go with uh, "Hardwired to Self Destruct." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think for me it's similar to you because Puppets is your favorite record. I think it'd probably be Lightning, you know. Like, yeah, I I remember hearing it for the first time, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I remember I remember just being like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, totally. You know. Yeah, dude. No, that's a great question. Thanks, Cole. Very Thank cool. You. Thank you, Cole. Um, Rakesh Gopolin says, "Clinton Ethan, this is Rakesh Gopolin. Gopolin from Charlotte, Go New Jersey." Pollen. <laughs> Yay, pollen! You can do it. Get out of those flowers. Give people some allergies. 
That <laughs> make me sneeze. Pollen, pollen, pollen. P O L L E and pollen. <laughs> I hope that you had your hands up like pretending. I did. Pom poms in I it. had it like I had. I had. I had my arms in a V. Yes, you did. Arms raised in a V. Amazing. Okay. And then you stand up and make a P out of your body. <laughs> I've, I've like I've, yeah, I've like tucked my shirt up so my belly's showing, and I put I put my hair in pigtails. Got some pom poms. Some pom poms in that ma- room. Some pom poms made of pollen. Yeah, there's a trampoline in here. Yeah, black other black pom poms, of course. Other assorted cheerleading paraphernalia. Um, <laughs> sorry, Ra- <laughs> Rakesh. Um, he says uh, I'm one of those who's listened since nearly the inception of your show, but only now got around to the whole Patreon thing. Oh, I forgot to mention we have new. He's our new patron. Oh, so awesome. thank you, thank you so much, dude. Sorry, we're kind of frazzled today. He says, 70-plus episodes in, I wanted to write and say what an amazing show you put together. I'll echo what everyone else says about how it is so nice to have a community of fellow Metallica nuts who get nutty together, as our boy James would say. He says, I'm a lawyer practicing in Charlotte, and I think only the second lawyer who's written into you guys, are the first being, of course, our friend Nick Roller. Um, I'm unaware of any other lawyers that we have as fans. Yeah, we may need representation one day. We, we never know. <laughs> He says, shockingly, there are not that many metalheads in my circles here. Hearing about my favorite band through the lens of two passionate musicians has really revealed aspects of the music I never knew, and here I was thinking I knew everything about the band. He says, as a guitar player myself, I'd love to hear your take on the technical skills slash styles of James versus Kirk. Most people focus on Kirk the Ripper and his solo slash shred capabilities, but my impression is that James is as good or better than Kirk. Sometimes I go back and listen to the hard panned recording of the 90s and compare the left to the right, and I tend to like James's style better. Listening to James do random solos and doodles in the tuning room is also pretty cool. What are your thoughts as musicians? Maybe one is not better than the other, but they are decidedly different. I'll finish his email, and then we'll come back to that. All right, cool. He says, although you guys had a great show from the start, I think the last year and a half, uh, you've really matured nicely into a top-notch podcast that would stack up content and production-wise with anything out there. If you ever need a lawyer as you guys grow, or just a beer in Charlotte, give me a buzz. Hello, me, he says. He says, P.S. Clint, I'm also a huge fan of Tool and A Perfect Circle, and I really like your perspective on the whole buying of music thing. Most music takes several listens to really appreciate. I wasn't stoked about Eat the Elephant, which is the new Perfect Circle record I've talked about upon first listen, but now I think it's a phenomenal album. Uh, um, Rakesh, Metal Lawyer number two, he says. (laughs) That's awesome. Maybe we can get both of them on the show and have a lawyer off. A lawyer off? We'll, yeah. we'll just, they'll be tied up in litigation for the next 17 years. It, exactly. It'll be, it'll be a long episode. <laughs> no, no, load sucks. No, no, no reload no, sucks. Reload. I, I, I stand by my defense. Load is good. Load is different. Reload's more experimental, and it sucks. Um, Your Honor, uh, can you sustain that? Or, or, or overrule it? Uh, it's sustained and overruled. At the same time. How's that, lawyers? Are you hammering your gavel right now? I'm hammering the gavel of my closed uh, Saint Anger fist on this hotel desk. (laughs) Now we have we've talked about James and Kirk. Um, James definitely has a very loose, cool kind of punk vibe, but he's also extremely melodic because he approaches his guitar playing lyrically as as like an extension. As a singer, he's just bringing that angle to it. Exactly. Yeah. And so while he can't shred or anything, I do love, I mean, I love his, I love his solo Master Puppets. I love his solo. I love all of his solos. Nothing oh, yeah. else matters. Suicide and Redemption. Uh, he's got a solo in To Live Is To Die. Yep, exactly. 
And I know what he's talking about too. It is fun because James often like will just sort of go off in some of these kind of like weird noodly solos in the yeah, he will. room, <laughs> just because he's bored, I guess. But yeah. his his note choices are pretty weird and cool. And yeah, for you know sure. What's, you know what's a great James solo is that swelly solo in the Outlaw Torn. Yeah, yeah, that one's great. In fact, can we just can we just add that real quick? Can we just listen to that? Man, I, I, I will go on record any day and say that I mean I think James is one of the best uh, rhythm players to exist. Oh, for sure. I mean, who, when can, you, who can touch him on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, when you li- when you listen to certain songs like fucking Battery to sing and play that at the same time, unbelievable. I mean, that song just by itself on guitar is not an easy chore. No, but, and Fight Fire with Fires. Yep, similar. Fight Fire with Fire, Blackened, whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to go down as one of the great frontmen and rhythm guitar players of of any band for sure. I, I don't know who I don't know who would could challenge him, especially especially writing it and singing over it. Yeah, because I will say Kirk Kirk doesn't get the credit he deserves in the rhythm department. Kirk is an amazing rhythm player. Yeah, um, but he doesn't have to sing over it. So yeah, he can exactly. play he can play all nightmare long and not have to worry about singing it. Yep. You know. Oh yeah, totally. Man, well that's a great question. Yep. Uh, thanks for the email, dude. And again, thank you so much for becoming a patron. Really appreciate that. Yeah, man, definitely. All right, next email is from our friend Stephanie Zink. She says, I just got done listening to this week's episode, and I definitely want to write in about the Where the Wild Things Are cover. First off, I see why you're doing this uh, for a living, Clint. You have an incredible talent uh, hearing something that maybe would be hard for someone else to pick up on. Uh, You were uh, able to strip this song down to its bones without losing what makes this such a unique and unappreciated gem. I applaud you, good sir. The David Mustaine bit from the last couple of weeks has brought me to tears. I hope this keeps happening. Uh, still can't wait for January. Metallica burns in my blood. Nice. Well, that's some nice words you said about your cover of Where the Wild Things Are. I appreciate that. For those of you who don't know, we, we're doing this. Um, it's for our patrons. We're doing these cover EPs, and we're we're kind of starting the slow process of doing Volume Two. And yeah, we uh, we, we whipped up a version of what, Where the Wild Things Are, and that you can find that at the end of the last episode. Yeah, uh, episode seventy-two. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that we mentioned our other new patrons this week. Cole Cahill, who sent us a previous email, and Brett Foz have also become patrons. Awesome. So, Thank you, guys. Man, you, you dudes getting involved at that level, it just completely makes things about the show that are good possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, How so else really would I be sitting that. in a solid gold office chair right now? <laughs> With a golden bidet that's, I know. That, that shoots golden water into my butt. Yeah. Okay, it's awesome. So thank you, thank you to our patrons for all the all the solid gold shit in my house. And, and speaking of all that, Stephanie is also a patron, and yep. Stephanie was the one who won the puppets box set. That yep, we gave that's away, right. Which we were only able to buy through the donations of our patrons. So exactly, we take that money and we try to put it back into the show, and we try to give you guys gifts and try to do special shit like parties and yeah, these EPs and stuff. So anyway, I've gone on long enough. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. Dylan Peden says, Clint Ethan, recently discovered your podcast about a week ago on Spotify. Ew. Do tell. Um, he says, I instantly became a fan. Like you guys and many others out there, Metallica is by far my favorite band as they've impacted my life so much with their kick-ass music. 
being from a small town in Mississippi, which is where our friend Paul Moak is from, Paul? I was I was never really exposed to heavy metal until I found the Puppets album in a box while helping my auntie move. He didn't say auntie. I added that. That was adorable. I added it because I wanted to. You know what, man? It's America. You can say it however you want. He says, this is where my journey with Metallica began. I was a freshman in high school at the time, which was 2007. And their music really became a way for me to pound out a lot of pent-up anger, confusion, and aggression that comes with being a man. True. I agree with all that. They became my heroes, so I was beyond stoked when my mom got me tickets to see them with my best friend in Atlanta in 09 for my 17th birthday. Since then, I've seen them one other time last summer in Atlanta with my wife during the World Wired Tour. Though the show last summer was fucking killer, the 2009 show remains special to me as my friend and I still celebrate October 4th as what we call the Metalliversary of seeing them for the first time live. <laughs> That's awesome. All that just to say thank you guys so much for the podcast. It really fires me up knowing there are other Metallica superfans out there. Much love and respect from Mississippi, New Jersey. Thank you so much, Dylan. Yeah, very cool. And, and of course, happy Metalliversary when that comes. Happy Metalliversary, October 4th. <laughs> Our next email is from uh, Livet. <clears throat> L-I-V-E-T. Live Live in La Vida. Live it? Live La Vida Loca. <laughs> There we go. Um, says, uh, since I just found out about the podcast like a month ago, I've been uh, I've been plowing through the episodes like a maniac, like a Hulk maniac. Uh oh. Um, should we? Should yes, we, we should. Yes, of- we should. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, here it is. Will we? Do you? It's been a while since we heard that song. <laughs> I know. I'm, I don't realize how much I've missed it until just now. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, he says, uh, I'm at the load episode number 26 uh, while writing this, and it feel, feels kind of strange sending emails into the future. Whoa. To, whoa, bro. Send all your emails into <laughs> the future. <laughs> a, a flying DeLorean. I haven't seen one of those, I haven't seen one of those since. <laughs> Uh, going to see my first Metallica show in 1993. Uh, sorry, going to see my first Metallica show since 1993 on Monday, and listening to you guys uh, has been the ultimate warm up for this. Uh, might Get out of my car, old man. <laughs> oh, jeez. How'd you know how to do that? Let's just say I'm an old friend of the family. <laughs> <laughs> or doesn't it say uh uh let's just say we're distant relatives. Distant relatives. <laughs> <laughs> nice story, Biff. <laughs> nice story, old Biff, old future me. <laughs> Gosh, we could do a whole you know, when whenever if we if we if we ever <clears throat> do a mo- movie review on Back to the Future, it has to just be in a mustaine voice the whole time. Oh my god, dude. <clears throat> uh anyways, he ends his email by saying, Might write in again about my feelings regarding the show, but who knows? Well, listen. He's from, he's from Stockholm, so technically that was, what, last night or tonight? Oh, yeah, they just played. That's right. Yeah. Well, Live, thank you for writing in, man. Continue Live, <clears throat> Living Loca, please. Live that Vida Loca. Blair Tom says, we got a few more here. Blair Tom says, 
Hey guys, Blair and Carlisle, Saskatchewan, Canada here again. Love the last two Year in the Life episodes. I've seen the Metallica story documentary so many times, but you guys always surprise me with new tidbits of info. Always Surprise! Looking forward... <laughs> Surprise! Always looking forward to the next episode. I haven't had a chance to check out the EP in depth yet, but I plan to soon, so I'm saving that episode for later. I also supported Ethan's go, uh, Kickstarter. Awesome. Uh, because I felt like I really wanted to give back for all the entertainment you've provided me on top of the Patreon pledge. Um, which Blair is also a, a, Patre- a Patreon. Yeah. He says, plus getting a new vinyl album is always a treat. Um, we should say that. Part of K- Ethan's Kickstarter, you can pledge or uh, you give to it and you can get the vinyl. Which is yeah, cool. there's a bunch of tiers of stuff on there. All, they're called rewards. There's everything from yeah, vinyl to CD to just a download all the way up to like... Uh, you could uh, pledge to be a guest on my other podcast or uh, Skype guitar or bass lessons, thing, things like that. So, again, go check it out. It's cool. It's a, it's a really new creative <laughs> way to, 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 to um, keep music valuable, to exchange value for value. Right. So, well, and, and uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. think like, oh, you're just taking people's money, blah, blah, blah. No, people obviously are willing to do this. And if you look at it like this, it's basically a way to pre-order my record. You're paying yeah, for you're, it up front. That's all. You're getting, you're getting the record. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to skip town with all this money. You know, um, he says I've never been too into reggae or ska, but I'm very intrigued by Ethan's take on it. Well, I, I'm not really that into it either, but I've heard the demos, and you're going to dig it, dude. He says, Clint, if you ever are looking to fund a new project, you know you have one for sure backer me. That's really sweet. Dude. That's awesome. Make it two. We I'm might, in, we, Clint. I'm in. We might do something similar to that to get the Lunar Satan thing like properly put out. We'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. He says, as I've mentioned in past emails, my brother, who passed away 17 years ago this May, introduced me to Metallica. This is always the hardest month of the year for me, and as the years pass, some of my memories of him fade. But because of the Metallica connection between us, this podcast holds a special place for me in reigniting my love for the band that he introduced me to, and in turn, keeping some memories alive. He says, the memories remain. See what I did there? (laughs) He says, I can never thank thank you guys enough for all your work and dedication to this. It means more to me than I could explain. P.S. Did you guys see Kirk and Rob's cringeworthy rendition of Take On Me by AHA? If not, it's worth a watch. Ooh, I haven't watched that yet. It's, um, you know, it's admirable. Rob's Rob's really going for it. But, um, it's yeah, it's not my favorite. Yeah, I'm, you know, some of those doodles that are, like, city-specific, city you know, a little nod to somebody from that town or whatever. It's, it's cool. It's a, it's a cool idea, but sometimes it's just not well executed, I guess. Yeah, I agree. But, um, well... well Blair, th- first of all, thank you for supporting my Kickstarter, and uh, and again, we're obviously, you know, sorry that you don't have your brother with you anymore to share your love of Metallica. But man, we are we are more than honored uh, that you know something little little thing like this that we're doing can help you uh, kind of keep those memories alive and keep thinking about them uh, through this podcast and this band. Yeah, I agree, and, and you know, the older we're, we're all we're all getting older together, you know, surprise, surprise. Whoa, and and the more. Um, you know, just the more shit's going down in your life, the more people you lose or the more disappointments you rack up. And th- this music sort of being a thread through all of that and being a safe place to go to. Right. Yeah. You know, th- you know, this music's been helping me deal with what I considered now to be sort of silly problems when I was a kid to all the way through my adulthood and my fatherhood and my marriages yeah. and all this. So I very much resonate with that, Blair. And I'm obviously grateful that we can be a small part of that for you. Yeah, for sure. All right, all right, we got one last email uh, from Tanner Hendricks. He says, in Dave voice, hello, podcast. Hello. Uh, hello. Oh, hello. McFly. Hello. Oh, it's, it's, speaking of, it's Cinco de Mayo, so hola, podcast. <laughs> uh, 
Let's anyways. put another shrimp on the Barbie at the Cinco de Mago. <laughs> All right, Tanner says, uh, I started listening to your show about a month ago, and I, ju- uh, I just finished episode 25. You guys are awesome. I haven't, um, sorry, I don't have uh, any friends to talk to you about Metallica, so the show has really sucked me in. You guys have helped me rediscover my favorite band. I've listened to every album except St. Poo Poo, front to back a few times, and it's been amazing. My first CD was a black album, <clears throat> excuse me, and I have uh, love, for all nine other, uh, all, uh, love for all nine of the ten albums. St. Anger was the first CD to come out after uh, I was fab. I was Fat, a fab. Like fabulous. I thought I was fabulous. You, 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 listen, Tanner, don't let anyone tell you you aren't fabulous, okay? You're fabulous. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I liked it for a while, but uh, but I became more, more musically aware. I just listened to your episodes about the set list from the shows you went to. I saw them in 2008, and the opener uh, for the encore was Die, Die, My Darling. Always cool. Uh, I love that cover, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the Garage Days episode. I hope Dave and Torben are still on the, uh, the still there on the show sometimes. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, goodbye, everybody. He wanted to do it in Torben's voice. Uh, thanks, I Tanner. Got, thanks, Tanner. Very cool. He'll be reading this. Uh, he'll be hearing this episode in about two and a half years. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And don't um, worry, Torben is still here. I've got to say, I I out of protest, I do not call the song "Die Die My Darling." I know that's what it's called. I get it. I just call it Die My Darling. I'm not saying die twice yeah. every time I want to talk about the goddamn song, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's actually you like, two two dies. Do you like Die Die My Darling? Oh, you talking about Die Die My Darling? Yeah, yeah, Die Die My Darling. Do you like that song? Yeah, Die, oh, dude, die, I die, love die, die, die My I think the first time I heard Die Die My it's like, dude, just ah, too many dies. Yeah, and you know what? On that grumpy note, <laughs> let's get out of the emo corner. Fine, I'm out of here. Bye. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects that Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month so go check it out thanks everyone peace adios 1985 19 and 85 and the year was 19 and 85 <laughs> now the funny thing is the first place we start when we're doing research for these kinds of episodes is we go to metallica.com and we go to their timeline because it's such a great resource for that kind of thing it's amazing yeah now when we went there today to check it out there's only <laughs> one thing on it and it says in September of 1985, Metallica began recording Master of Puppets. The and end. that's literally all it said. I know. It was when I went to it, I laughed out loud. I was just like this is hilarious. We could we could make this hilarious and literally just like get into this part of the episode and be like, "All right, so yeah, they record they started recording Puppets with Fleming Rasmussen at Sweet Silence and uh, all right, that's it guys. Peace. Adios." Brown to brown to brown brown. Now, so there's a lot of activity at the top of the year, but it's it's a tour. 
And I thought that, you know, one of the cool things that Metallica has is you can kind of see a breakdown of every show they've done. And then there's yeah. there's kind of like a forum type place where people can comment. And a lot of people who actually went to these shows kind of wrote these little anecdotes that I, I actually thought were really interesting because they're a peek into the band kind of before they got famous. Right, yeah. So it's them doing like, you know, it's them hanging out after shows or helping get fans in or just hanging out in bars around the venues. Um, so it's very interesting Metallica lore for me, these yes, early days. You know? I agree, yeah, for sure. So let's just, we're going to kind of go through, it's an American tour. It's pretty much the, the whole country. They, they were working hard yeah, yeah, for in sure. the winter of 85. They were on tour with uh, Wasp. They were opening for Wasp. And Armored Saint was also on the bill. Nice. Um, I don't know much about Wasp or Armored Saint. Are you well, Armored Saint was the band that John Bush was in, who ended up singing for Anthrax. Okay. Well, he, I mean, he, I, just don't, I don't know their music. Is what yeah, I mean. I, I, again, I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat. What's funny is, I mean, we'll get to this later, but uh, yeah, how much Metallica kind of made fun of bands with makeup and stuff. Wasp was makeuped out. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there was some enmity on the tour. Like Blackley Lawless has, has said, you know, that ha- basically half the fans were theirs and half were Metallica's, and right. their fans did not like each other. <laughs> and he says, he says it didn't matter what we were doing on stage; it looked like two opposing armies. Sometimes we, as a band, just stopped what we were doing and watched. It was a war. <laughs> it was a war. <laughs> That's. That's a little intense. It's a little intense, but I mean, back then it's like if no, you, I know if you it was were so tribal. Thra- yeah, if you were in a th- like thrash metal, like real heavy metal, and then you have these other guys that are into like what's still called heavy metal, but it eventually became kind of glam rock. I mean, Wasp was still more heavy metal, but even then, though, it's like they kind of had, had the spandex going and some makeup on their face and this and that. So I'm imagining those Metallica fans in the crowd are just pissed. The trues, you know? The trues. That's totally uh, totally right. They pretty much played the same set list. Um, it's a lightning, it's obviously lightning and kill them all heavy. Opening with Fight Fire and to Ride the Lightning, Phantom Lord, Four Horsemen, Anesthesia, Bells, No Remorse, Call of Cthulhu, Seeking the Story, Whiplash, Creeping Death. No Hit the Lights, which I found interesting. Yeah, totally. Which, that's fine. Maybe they were just tired of it by then. Uh, maybe so. I mean, they they were playing that song hard for a couple of years, so maybe it was just like time for a break on that one. Well, all right, so we're going to kind of just burn through a little bit of this tour. Now, I, I'm sure we have listeners who went to these shows. In fact, I have a little story about um, later in the tour. Um, okay. A, a, a good friend of mine was at one of these shows. So the, the first show they play in 1985 was actually on July 9th at, the Bo- at Boston, in Boston. January at, 9th. At, at the channel. What am I saying? Am I you, losing you, my mind? You said July 9th. Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> January 9th. They played at the channel. Well, they were supposed to play, but it got canceled. Now, what's interesting about this is that was the same gig that venue that got canceled when their gear got stolen. Yeah. So they go back to play the show, and they had to cancel it again because Lars had some sort of issue with his passport and couldn't get there. So at this point, I mean, I wonder he wasn't even like because he's Danish, obviously. So well, I think he may have gone back to Copenhagen. No, he, he was living in the states. He was living in the states, but at, at that time, I mean, I don't know if he he had like a green card or it expired. Or, 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 or something. yeah, yeah, he had some sort of work visa for two years or something. Maybe it, was, it expired, and I don't know. Well, because we, maybe they sure. went, maybe they went back to Copenhagen for Christmas. And then when and then when they were coming back, there was just pr- problems with an expired passport or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe there was a a, a Danish ban on travel. On travel. That was a joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> remember the remember the, the Muslim ban. 
The Muslim, oh, tra- the Muslim oh, travel ban that Trump did. A ban. I thought you said banned. No, not banned. Sorry, okay. let's, re- let's, let's rewind real quick. Hey, man, maybe they had a Danish ban. I <laughs> know. Oh, Isn't that funny? <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Man, I can't wait to start my comedy podcast. Okay. Uh, they played an, an, another kind of handful of shows up in that area. On the 10th, they were in Scotia, New York, the 11th in Hartford, the 12th in Philly, the 13th in Baltimore. Now, the Baltimore show, they played at a venue called Coast to Coast. Now, these are all pretty small venues. Right, yeah. And it's basically a co-headline with Wasp, but Metallica's not playing last. And um, a fan says, I remember it was so loud in this little West Baltimore club, Lars's bass drums were like being punched in the chest. Rad. He says, this was the first of two times I saw them with Cliff. Armored Saint and Wasp were also great. Um, a lot of the anecdotes, I mean, obviously, kind of center around how you know, how special it was to have seen Cliff live, especially at yeah. this point, like playing these really intimate, like sweaty, crowded rock clubs. Well, I mean, and also, uh, you know, these people are obviously commenting on, on that forum section on Metallica.com about these shows, you know, 30 plus years later. So it's probably really cool to write this stuff out, rethink about how you felt at that show. Now knowing yeah. what you know about this band and all the records they've put out. And yep. now it's probably even more special to look back and be like, wow, like, I saw Metallica with Cliff Burton twice, you know? Yeah, so cool. And it's so weird to think about them not headlining it. I know. It's so weird um, to think about any any show they've not headlined. For the next week after that Baltimore show, they did a bunch of Canada stuff. They did two nights in Montreal at a place called The Spectrum. They did Quebec City. They did Ottawa, uh, Toronto. Now, Toronto's an interesting show, just looking at the notes, because um, they did an extended encore where after Creeping Death, they also did a solo, Am I Evil, and Motor Breath. Very cool. And this is before Wasp goes on. Yeah. And one of the, and one of the fans says, this was my first time seeing Metallica. He's talking about this show in Toronto at the concert hall. He says, best metal show ever, and I've seen plenty. He says, it was interesting that Blackley Lawless got pissed and walked off the stage because we were like zombies after Metallica left the stage. We were all like, what the fuck was that? Zombies, I tell you. <laughs> so Metallica's just really bringing a lot of heat. Uh, they're wearing it out. I mean, I mean, even if you fast forward, you know, those clips of Ozzy talking about the Puppets tour or the Ozzy tour when they were touring Master of Puppets. He said they were a hard band to follow. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you watch old footage of them even in the Kill 'Em All days and it's like, fuck, man, I wouldn't want to go on after those guys. Yeah, it's I'll bet, true. Yeah, all the guys on Wasp were so bummed on that tour. But they probably didn't want to give up that last slot, you know? Because that'll happen on, on um, tours like that. Well, switch, oh, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, well it, there's a, um, kind of a famous tour where R.E.M. was touring a record in 95 called Monster, which is a very un- misunderstood record. Are you hip to that record? It was kind of their rock record. Yeah, yeah, I remember that record. Um, And they... But they were still REM. This is post-automatic for the people, so they were huge. They took Radiohead out to support them while Radiohead was doing the bins. Yeah. Can you imagine that tour? Jeez, that's crazy. Well, it says like halfway through the tour, uh, they basically made it a co-headline because Radiohead was just basically taking off to the fucking stratosphere. Right, exactly. You, you, I mean, from a business standpoint, you kind of have to do that. It's like, hey, this, this band's blowing up. The band that's direct support for us. They're no longer getting 35, 40 minutes. They're getting the same length set as we are, and it's a now code headliner. It's smart well, for business, you know, and ticket it, sales and stuff. 
but even I just like the lack of ego there too because yeah. you know one of one of Radiohead's biggest influences was REM and Michael Stipe being such a cool dude recognized how important they were as a band and was like you know what let's just make this a cool let's just be peers instead of like because a lot of times when you're bringing people out, they're obviously not on the same level you are, and you're either bringing them out because you like them, you're a fan, or it's through some sort of management. They're another band on your label or whatever. Something, yeah, exactly. But anyway, so I'm not sure Blackie Lawless <laughs> was that cool. He probably didn't like it. I'm sure he did. I mean, he, I mean that quote, he says he got pissed and walked off the stage. <laughs> Which then, like, what's the recourse for that? You know what? You guys look like zombies. Ah, you know what? I'm freaking out of here. I, I'm I'm gonna pull an Axl Rose and get out get out of here, even though Guns N' Roses hasn't started yet. <laughs> That's just yeah, it's uh, I don't know, man. That's just like a diva move to me. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's lame. Like, hey, you know what? First of all, they're zombies because Metallica just fucking ripped their fucking fucking faces off. You could say they you could say their dicks. Were you gonna say you ripped their dicks off? You could say No, that. I was trying to think of more of a zombie reference, like uh, their hearts out or something, because they still have, you know, you have to kill the brain for the zombie to stop and this and that. Anyways, to I'm me I'm looking it, up this blackie lawless character it, right oh, now. Have you not seen a picture of this guy? Well, I don't I don't often look at old men wearing leather outfits with razor blades on their forearms. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing current pictures of him now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Are, is Wasp good? I mean, for, yeah, they're good. At, they're they're good at what they do. What's their biggest song? <laughs> uh, fuck, I don't remember. I, that's how much I listen to Wasp. I admire this dude's dedication to leather. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, he's clearly living. He's been living that life for a long time. You saying that just made me think of that song from Rockstar. Living the life I was born to live. I love that movie, dude. I love the whole soundtrack. Stand up and shout. Let the river run through my calloused hands. The big ballad that he does. <laughs> totally. Shit, that's a great movie, man. It's an awesome movie. Now, after this show that we're talking of in Toronto, they played uh, on January 20th at uh, the Salty Dog in Buffalo. Now, I don't know how many of you out there are fans of the Larry Sanders show. It's my favorite show of all time. Huge, huge, huge Gary Shandling fan. And... Uh, his producer, Artie, his big drink is the, uh, he drinks what he calls a salty dog. Ah, okay. Which I believe is just straight tequila with salt on the rim. And a hot dog in it. A, ho- a hollowed out hot dog <laughs> to suck it through. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we use kind of an unconventional straw. It's yeah. just a hollowed out hot dog. Yeah. Oh, so that's why you call it a salty dog. I get it. Heavy on the salt. Yeah. <laughs> So the night of that Salty Dog show, now some fans said this. Apparently there was a blizzard that night. One fan says, freezing cold weather. I met Randy Piper at the bar. It was a great show. Uh, the band got stranded at the bus terminal, and it was worth it. So I, some of these people commenting, um, I'm not sure how far they made it through grammar education, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to get through some of these. Another fan says, there was a blizzard that night. Got stuck at a friend's house for a couple of days. Days is spelled D-A-Z-E. Oh. He said, Lars threw a glass of water at the end of the set, and I got soaked. I was freezing while eating Mighty Taco next door to the Salty Dog. Fucking worth it. Yeah. The <laughs> Mighty Taco. <laughs> These Dear Diaries are kind of priceless, dude. I know. One more from the show. Can you, uh, start, says, can you start this next one, Dear Diary? Dear Diary. <laughs> got stranded at the Buzz and Bee. They kicked us out. 
So we went to Mighty Taco, where they ended up kicking everyone out into the blizzard. My mom had a friend of a friend who took five hardcore thrashers into their home for three days. They fed us and made up beds for us. Only in Buffalo will people do that worth every moment. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. I'm going to go ahead and say, though, I'm I'm sure there are at least two other cities without that someone will do that for you. <laughs> no, I don't know, it's dude. not just in Buffalo. Well, and like I've hung out in Buffalo a lot in my career, and I love the people of Buffalo. Oh, it's a they great city. Strike, but they don't strike me as immediately like, you know where you can really get stranded and have to sleep on strangers' doorsteps, and they'll feed you and make up beds? Buffalo. Right. <laughs> this, I, do love that, I do love that some of these quotes um, – some of the names of the venues and and stuff sound like that Instagram account Rigs of Dad, where he makes up you know fake fake venues and oh and I artists. love it yeah like the buzzin, you guys need to go buzzin. check out Rigs of Dad if you don't yeah know what Rigs that is. of Dad like you know the the salty dog the buzzin bee <laughs> yeah totally the mighty taco mighty taco <laughs> <laughs> um on the twenty second they're in Scranton twenty third in Poughkeepsie and now on the twenty fifth twenty sixth and twenty seventh they played it played at Lamore the very famous rock club where. Michael Alago saw the band for the first time. Yeah. So, so my friend and our drummer for the Rodney Atkins band is a guy named Kevin Rapillo, and at he's a Boston cat, and he was in he was in kind of an up and coming hard rock band called Kid Crash. They got signed and made a record. Nothing ever really happened, but he was kind of around. He was kind of hanging out with Alago. He was kind of involved in hard rock scenes. He sort of casually the other day is like. I was talking about Lemoore, this club. He's like, oh, he's like, dude, I saw Metallica at Lemoore in like 1985. He said it real casually. I was like, wow. wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. Hang on a second. Like, you know me. You know I, I co-host an all Metallica podcast. You know I have yeah. pictures of Metallica covering every inch of my goddamn bunk. You're telling me you saw the band play in 1985 with Cliff Burton? And he's like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, of course I did. He's like Armored Saint, Wasp, or whatever. You know, he, like he knew right, the show. Yeah. So it's just weird that someone that I spend so much time with was at one of these three shows. I know, and then finally told you, and and it was just so cash. Oh yeah, exactly. Like oh yeah, oh, yeah, I saw that show. No big deal. Um, I'm. Sh- I mean, they did. They, they always killed it there. So I'm sure those three nights were sold out, packed, and a lot of fun. For sure, yeah. I think Galago doesn't he talk about Lamore in his documentary? Yeah, yeah, he talks about it a bunch. That's the one that he he at one point he was booking, right? Is that Lamore? Was that? Uh, I gotta watch that documentary again. We gotta go listen to our episode with Michael Alago again. Yeah, exactly. On the 28th, they were in Columbus, Ohio, at Newport Music Hall. The 29th, they played in Cincinnati. A fan anecdote from the Cincinnati show says, "Got backstage and lied to some cat about going to school with James and Cliff, and Cliff backed me up." Wow. <laughs> so that's cool. That's so Cliff. So the dude's like, "Oh, I went to high school with Cliff," and the probably security guy's like, "Hey, this guy says he went to high school with you," and Cliff. Not knowing this guy was like, yeah, man, let him in. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. I can't say I would do that. <laughs> I can say I would not do that. Like, I would do that to help someone get into a show. I wouldn't do it to help someone get backstage. Yeah, exactly. That's a whole different. Yeah, that's a little arms. tough, man. I mean, and, and I've, from personal experience, I mean, some of the bands I've been over the years where we've had, you know, quote unquote crazy fans a little bit, you know, I've yeah. definitely seen stuff like, somebody telling the security guard some bs oh i'm ethan's cousin or blah 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 you know and then i I walk out there i'm like no never seen them in my life well and we we live in a post dime bag situation you know like you know dime bag daryl was killed in a club by a crazy fan yeah obviously that's not a very common thing but 
I feel like the whole zeitgeist changed after that in terms it, of oh, yeah, safety. Definitely. There was, it's no longer the sort of anything goes all for one thing. So right. You be a yeah. bit more careful. And of course. All that stuff. Um, on the 30th, they played Indianapolis. So they're kind of doing some Midwest stuff. They do Detroit, Cleveland, Kalamazoo, Madison. And then, you know, all these clubs, I've, I've played every current rock club in the country, but this is all obviously 1985. A lot of these aren't there anymore. Yeah, but some, are, the, some are still there for sure. But on the 6th of February, they played at a club I have played, and one of my favorites in the country, they played at First Avenue in Minneapolis. That is the famous Purple Rain Club. Famous, if, yep. If you've seen the movie Purple Rain with Prince, the, the live performance there, that's, that's the club. But First Ave is just like a rite of passage for rock bands. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's still an active, vibrant club, as far as I know today. Yeah, so is the Newport in Columbus. Oh, really? Yeah, Newport's still okay. around. Yeah, cool. I've play, I played there a bunch. Um, a fan anecdote from this show in Minneapolis says, after the show, the Talica guys walked around the bar area being sociable. I got to say hi to every one of them and tell them what a kick-ass show they did. I'll never forget it. So, you know, they're just like walking around, hanging out. Well, But this is, like we said, this is before they got super famous, obviously. So this is still a, a point where they probably had someone selling their, their merch for them. And they're probably like, after the show, hey, all right, dudes, let's go out to the merch booth by the bar, have some drinks and hang out with fans because that's how you sell more merch and be engaged with your audience and this and that. So they're, they're probably definitely still in that area of their life. Well, I, I, I tried to look this up. Um, maybe someone out there will know, but I don't even think they were on a bus yet. Yeah, they maybe just yeah a van and trailer or something. Yeah, so when you when you don't have a bus, you don't really have anywhere to go. You're hanging out at the venue, because, right? Or you're hanging out at the bar by the venue because you don't have anywhere else to go. Well, there's that the last thing you want to do is get in the goddamn van again. There was that one anecdote from Buffalo where someone had said they got stuck at the bus station or whatever. So were they taking like greyhounds to every city or something? Yeah, I don't know if he was talking about him as a fan got stuck at the terminal or the band. I don't I don't know. That wasn't. Uh, it was kind of a typo city situation. I couldn't really. Thankfully, everyone made it to the Mighty Taco, though. <laughs> Until they kicked them out into the blizzard. Yeah, but then they got the Buzz and Bee right next door, too. See, we were already wrapped up in this psychodrama of post-show shenanigans. <laughs> yes. it's, as if, it's as if we were goddamn there, even. <laughs> we were. Now, on the 8th of Milwaukee, this is a special show. They played at Eagles Ballroom, and it's the live debut of Fade to Black. Ooh, so cool. Which I wonder, I wonder what the audience respond. I wonder if they were nervous to play it. I'd imagine they're like, okay, this could go south until the bridge. Until the da-da-da-da. Yeah. Like, I if mean, we survive, the first two verses will be okay. Well, I don't know. Those choruses are heavy. Well, but, like, I mean, at this point, I mean, the fans they have know the song. I mean, the, the, that record had already been out for a while. Yeah, but, so, you, got, but, you, but you got half Wasp fans. Who may have not heard the record, right? And they're winning over Wasp fan, dude. They're coming out playing "Fight Fire with Fire" and "Ride the Lightning" back to back. They're ripping your fucking throat out. Oh yeah. But then they play "Fade to Black" and Wasp fans are like, "We don't like it. <laughs> we don't like it. it's too slow. It's slow and it's clean and I it smell bad." I liked Metallica back when James wore the leopard glove. Uh, can we get a leopard glove back here and a bu- a bullet belt, Dad? Dad, all I want for Christmas this year is a porky, a porcupine wrist cuff and a bullet belt. And uh, maybe my stocking stuffer could be a, a set of fingerless gloves with the leopard print. And I want a sickle and I, and I want a bloody hammer in my stocking, Dad. <laughs> and an electric chair. I, I want an electric chair floating in the sky in space. It has to have lightning hitting it, though. 
It has to, Dad. And here we are getting us plugged right back into Back to the Future. Oh. Save the save the clock tower. <laughs> At precisely 12, 12 p.m., lightning will strike the clock tower. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, was the one? <laughs> I'll take a milkshake, chocolate, <laughs> Pepsi free. You want a Pepsi pal? You got to pay for it. <laughs> it's not free. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they you gonna should... you gonna order something, kid? Sorry, oh we're done. God. We're done. All right. Um, they played Chicago, Green Bay, Cedar Rapids, Burlington. Uh, on February 15th, they played in St. Louis at Reflections. A fan from that show says, front row in front of Cliff, and the quote-unquote barricade was just a bunch of cocktail tables turned over on their sides. Wow, they said still have the tea. So the production budget was clearly, clearly stellar for that show. I've definitely played venues in my lifetime where the, a barricade is something like that. Oh, like sure. Just tables turned over. I love that whoever, whoever said this quote still has the t-shirt from the show. Wow. That's Send us a cool. picture of it. I'm sure they're listening right now. Yeah, they're totally listening to our show right now. Um, oh, my God, Ethan. Speaking of that. What? What? Do you do you remember when I did... So I went to the St. Louis show on the um, North American Arena or Stadium Tour last year yeah. with Brad Blazik. He gave me a snake pit. We were front row, front rail of the snake pit. So cool. And I told a story about a Venezuelan dude next to us who air drummed the whole time, and he was like talking shit about Lars. Yeah. And that dude is a massive fan. I've seen him in many other official Metallica videos on yeah. the front rail. I don't know how he does it. Oh, I know, I know you're talking about. So the other day on Instagram, this guy writes in. He's like, hey, just discovered the show. Huge fan. Just listened to like 40 episodes in two weeks. Like, love it, you know? Yeah. And um, and I'm like, dude, thank you so much. Really glad you're on the ride. You know, it's always cool to, to say hi to people. And then like maybe a day later, he was like, Oh my god! I just finished the St. Louis show, and you talked about a Venezuelan dude next to you. He's like, "That was me." <laughs> That's awesome. I'm like, "Wait a minute! Were you like air drumming the whole time and shit?" And he was like, "Yep, that was me." No way! That's awesome. Like, that had to have been a really weird trip for him to hear that. Yeah, for sure. He's like, uh, "By the way, I'm Brazilian." You asked. By the way, I'm not <laughs> totally. And I was air basing, not drumming. No, he no, he knows all the drum moves. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I've actually seen clips of him. I think if it's who, who you're talking about, you know, dude, air drumming. Yeah. Keep it going, man. Air drumming's fun, dude. Air drum, air drum, air drum it away, dude. Hey, man. No, hey, no judgment here. No life till air drumming. That's right. We're gonna kick some drums tonight in the air. <laughs> All right. Then they play Kansas City, Wichita, Kansas, and then of course we've talked about it. Our beloved Canes Ballroom in Tulsa. I'm wearing a Canes Ballroom T-shirt right now. Are you? That's awesome. A fan from that show says, first time I'd ever heard Metallica at this gig, even met James, Lars, and Cliff hanging around during Armored Saints set. Went to this gig to see Wasp, but came away a lifelong diehard Metallica fan. Take that, guy from Wasp. What's his name again? Black, Blackie Lawless. Take that, Blackie Log, Logless. <laughs> Lawless. <laughs> um, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that's not his real last name. <laughs> I'm going to take a wild guess and say it's not his first name. <laughs> I'm going to take a wild guess and say that he probably had a fingerless leopard glove. I'm lo- I'm looking at these pictures and he has these wrist cuffs that are like razor razor blades. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's to get through. That's to try to fend off all the Metallica fans coming after him. <laughs> 
Leave me alone. I'm going to razor you. I'm going to, I'll cut, I'll cut you again. I'll cut a fool. <laughs> He's got a bitch in Mike's stance, like this big scully spine thing. That's cool. Kind of like the H.R. Geiger, Jonathan Davis bullcrap. <laughs> I'm Jonathan Davis, and I don't like my dad. <laughs> That's a pretty good Jonathan Davis. <laughs> It is really, truly amazing that I'm not a professional impersonator. How do you and I not have uh, full-time careers doing voiceover work or for cartoons and stuff? Oh, wait. Did Jonathan Davis just come in the room? Hi, I'm Jonathan Davis, and this is a new song I wrote about my dad. It's called Got the Life. (laughs) Something takes a part of me, okay? Anyway, it's me, Jonathan Davis from Corn. (laughs) You kind of sound like a South Park character. <laughs> okay, where are we at on this? Uh, no, we're eight, nine, 1985 somewhere. Are we? Should we? Okay, good God, we're almost done with this. Then they, they, we're then, then they played more shows. <laughs> um, <laughs> at some point, Wasp popped off the tour. I don't know if why, but it, at, when they get down to Texas, which is uh, February 26th through March 9th. They start to make their way out west. They go through Texas, Albuquerque, Colorado Springs, Denver, San Diego. And it's just them and Armored Saint, and they're headlining. So there's that. Um, They did do three shows in San Antonio that were apparently a pretty pretty large time. Uh, One fan says, after the set before the encore, some chick jumped on stage and dove into the crowd with James's mic and stand. I don't think they ever got it back. (laughs) At the show in San Diego, a fan says the venue was the size of a large shoebox. Watched Cliff Burton do Anesthesia from five feet in front of me. One of the best concerts of my life. Armored Saint was fucking awesome as well. Gosh, again. I need, I mean, to, I need to get an Armored Saint record. I need to yeah, just check it out. I, yeah, I, I, I have checked them out over the years, especially back when like he started singing for Anthrax. Um, but I never really dove deep. But uh, I, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that here on the air. I know John Bush kicked ass at that 30th anniversary show. He did the Four Horsemen. Yeah. In fact, so so you know, let's hear a little bit of that. Let's, let's dip in on that. All right. The boys continue playing shows. At a show in Phoenix on March 11th, a fan says, I was there and directly right in front of Cliff. He says, I recall getting whipped in the face a few times by his hair while he was headbanging. Wow. How about that for a story? Yes, no joke. I mean, that's straight up like I got some of Cliff Burton's hair in my mouth, and I didn't wash. I didn't wash it out for seventeen years. Yeah, it's still in there. Every time I go to the dentist, I say, "Skip that tooth." They played in Palo Alto a couple nights in San Francisco at the Kabuki Theater, Seattle, Vancouver, and then finally, thank God, the tour ends March nineteenth in Portland at Starry Night. They did an encore. They encored the song "The Money Will Roll Right In." They did it with Armored Saint. Cool. I'm sure, that was fun. "Money Will Roll Right In" is by a band called Fang. Those of you who don't know, Fang. They've only played it twice. Yeah. Both in 1985. This next bit, uh, so they clearly take like a pretty long break after this. Probably yeah. to go probably to go write fucking puppets in that garage. That they, yeah, they were they probably sh- doing a lot of writing, yeah. Um but this this is where it gets really excited for me, some of these cool festivals they start playing. Right, totally. I mean, yeah, the end the end of nineteen eighty five is is pretty exciting because to me it seems like the beginning of 85 they're just sort of finishing touring lightning kind of getting that whole cycle complete 
And then they obviously take off time to rest and be home and be normal people and obviously write Master of Puppets. But on August 17th, they play a huge show for them, Monsters of Rock at Castle Donington in the UK. Other acts were ZZ Top, Marillion, Bon Jovi, Rat, Magnum, and Tommy Vance. Tommy Vance. Thomas Vance. Hi, I'm Thomas Vance. Here's, I, how you, here's how you spread Grey Poupon on ciabatta bread. Just ask my friend Magnum. <laughs> Me, Magnum, and Marillion will be <laughs> showing you how to display your salad fork next to your main entree fork on stage. <laughs> oh, jeez. So they, 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 have a tight, they have a tight little short set list, kind of a barn burner set list. Creep, Ride, Bells. Forestman, Fade, Seek, Whiplash, Am I Evil, and Motor Breath. I wanted to insert a clip of Creeping Death. These are these are boys in their early days top form. Young, hungry, excited. Let's check it out. Let's do it. Yeah, dude. I mean, at this point, they're, you know, with a song like that, I mean, they're they're pretty seasoned with this song already. You know, they've been playing it like every night for a couple of years. So, they're just, yeah, but they're they were, they're they, yeah, but they're they, they've had some time off. I mean, they let's see, April, May, June, July. I mean, they've been off for three months. Yeah, but that kind of stuff. But you're you right. I mean, stuff, uh, you're right. They had it honed in. But you play, you know how it is. You play that stuff enough over X amount of years, and it's just like you know, it's just like clockwork. You get up there, and you know, muscle memory kicks in, and and it was probably extra exciting because they're playing their first show after a long break, after riding puppets, excited to get in the studio, and they get to play this giant show. So I'm, you know, they're just up there annihilating in it. And was this the, this is the show where James wrote "Kill Bon Jovi" on his guitar? Is that right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Kill Bon Jovi. It's pretty. It's pretty brutal. I mean. Yeah, no I joke. Get it. You don't like Bon Jovi, but because Metallica fans would have been like, uh, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, totally." We've just been waiting for you to give us the go ahead on that. Yeah, we will kill oh Bon gosh. Jovi. Um, <laughs> now, a really fun thing happened a few days later, August twenty fourth, at Ruthie's Inn in Berkeley, which was a club like the Spastic Children would play at and stuff. Right, like, yeah. I think it was just like a really fun place for them to hang out. They played an unannounced show under the moniker of the Four Horsemen. They didn't use they didn't they couldn't get their equipment there. Um, it was just this very loose, crazy thing where Metallica's basically, they just played Monsters of Rock. The, the tales of them from all their local buds are that they're just skyrocketing. And then all of a sudden they're playing this pickup show for all their friends at Ruthie's Inn. Yeah. That, you know, like that's a time machine. Like if you could have a time machine and go back and see any show, that, oh would, be, that would be in the top 10 list. That would, oh, that'd be so amazing to see that. Incredible. They covered, um, they covered London Dungeon by the Misfits at that show. Rad. Is that a song you're familiar with? Yeah, <clears throat> dude, I, I, I can't back the Misfits enough. They were they were pretty sloppy back in the day, but man, Glenn Danzig wrote some catchy ass songs. 
August 31st, and they were kind of saying that that was like a maybe a warm-up show for the what would happen on the 31st, which was another massive show, The Day on the Green in Oakland, where they were third on the bill. Scorpions, Rat, Metallica, Y&T, Yngwie Malmsteen, and a band no one knows anymore called Victory. Who's Y&T? I've seen that name here and there, but... I think they're a popular rock band in the 80s. I don't, I don't yeah. know anything. They, let me look it up. Y&T. <laughs> I can tell you right now, like looking at this lineup, like I, I probably wouldn't have been stoked to see anybody until Metallica started. Because I mean, I thought actually for a glam-ish band, I thought Rat had some cool songs. Yeah, I like Rat. Round, round and, and round? round, fuck yeah, yeah. Y&T is an American hard rock heavy metal band formed in 1974 oh. in California. The band released two studio albums. Okay, blah blah blah. Who gives a shit? <laughs> the, um, God, there's just too much information here. Yeah. Summertime Girls remains the band's most widely recognized song, along with fan favorites such as Mean Streak, Contagious, Rescue Me, and Forever. Music videos for songs such as Summertime Girls, Bob Lipstick and Leather, Don't Stop Running, are still featured videos on VH1 Classic. Lipstick and Leather. Jesus, no thank Ooh. you. All right, so that's you know, that's that's probably like the clip you heard at the top of the show of James talking about if you're here to see you know spandex and makeup and hairspray. I'm guessing, you know, pretty much all these bands but Metallica had all those things. Yes, yes. Although the Scorpions never really did, like, makeup and stuff. You know, they've been around long enough. And Metallica are big Scorpions fans. Yeah, but Rat, Y&T, you know Yngwie had some Aquanet on hand that day. (laughs) I know. I mean, Yngwie is is one of the best guitar players to roam the earth, but what a total douchebag. Yeah, I've 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 heard a few firsthand uh, encounters with him from friends at a re- at this rehearsal space in Florida, and they did not have one good thing to say about him. And he and at the time, I think he was still driving like a like a really nice like mid eighties like Corvette. It was like yellow or something. What's his fascination with yellow? I don't know. No um, idea. Part of me kind of likes his sort of bravado y arrogant egomaniac. Sure, stuff, I think I, it's all part of the and, act. Yeah, rock and roll just needs that, but it's also it's also not that cool either. Yeah, I think I I think it's just humorous. His whole everything about Ingve just makes me laugh. Even you watch him being serious and ripping and stuff. It's just it's just all silliness to me. They tell the stories about this day on the green where, and you can see it and like it's all in the um the back to the front book. Which we did a whole episode on that book, back to the front. Uh, with our friend Tom Quee from Alpha Metallica. That's a fun episode. Go check it out. But in that book, they show pictures, and you can actually even watch Day on the Green. It's on YouTube. But people are just throwing all types of garbage and water bottles and beer cans, and the stage looks like a landfill. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point, someone threw a pear, and it like got stuck on Cliff's base. <laughs> and he took it off, and he just takes a few bites of it and threw it back in the crowd. That's awesome. But it just looks like a fucking war zone, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also, like, there there was that era, it was a lot in punk rock music, where, like, if you got spit on, it was actually, like, a compliment. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe was... back then they thought, like, yeah, throw your bottle on stage, like, we're, you know, we're with you, have my beer. I, I don't know, but. Have I... my beer can filled with my urine. <laughs> I would do anything for you, James Hetfield. <laughs> I, would, I would pee in an aluminum can and throw it at you. I love <laughs> you that how, much, man. That's how much I love battery. Exactly. <laughs> take my take my urine battery acid. Now another thing that happened at that day on the green is apparently old Jimmy James headset junior trashed the shit out of their dressing room uh, um and got into big trouble with this big promoter, this guy named Bill Graham. And, you know, like had to go apologize and shit. And, <laughs> 
I wonder if I wonder if he did one of one of his live grunts before, like ah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he, then a normal. I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize for the yes. damage I caused in the sorry. Uh, dressing room. Sorry, bro. Are we cool. Few days later, they're on the goddamn plane to go to Sweet Silence again in Copenhagen to start making Master of Puppets. Now I found this interesting. Cliff didn't show up to the airport. Just didn't missed, show up. Missed his flight. Just didn't go. He didn't show up to the studio until the start of the second week. That's crazy. I, well, I mean, <clears throat> I wonder if it was a thing where it was like his flight, you know, he didn't show up. They canceled the flight. Had to rebook him a new one or something, and it was already like, well, we don't have anything available until next week. Okay, you're just- well, the way the way it's talked about, like in Mick Wall's book and stuff, is just like there. It was kind of a like, oh, that's so Cliff, yeah, and and he'll figure it. He'll get there when he gets there. And Cliff's just like, yeah, man, I we don't usually do bass until the second week anyway, so I'm not going to go up there and just sit around Copenhagen. I mean, they probably I'd imagine the first week back then would be a, a mostly you know James and Lars and the producer Fleming. Just sitting down and kind of going through parts and listening Doing to pre-production. tapes and exactly pre-production. Um, a, a couple of things that did happen during the summer during their quote-unquote off time is both Lars and Kirk took lessons. This is when was Kirk uh, doing lessons with Satriani? Yes, the Satch. It's kind of right. It's kind of right around the time when Joe was starting to make his own records. Before then, he was just kind of like a badass Bay Area guitar right. guru. Who was teaching Steve Vai and Kirk Hammett, all sorts of great players. Yeah. Wait, wait, but how about, how what about, did they go on to do? <laughs> how about Lars continuing, though, to like dig in and get drum lessons? Fleming has said yeah. that when, when they showed up to do Master Puppets, that the boys were a lot better than they were at Lightning because they had all the touring under their belt. Yeah. Two, two of the dudes had invested in themselves and gotten lessons. Right. I think that's a really cool thing. It's very cool. I mean, it just it, it just shows someone like Fleming Rasmussen that these guys are beyond committed, ready to prepare, ready to come into that studio like all guns blazing to make what would become the best record of their career. Yeah, for sure. And and like the budget was higher, so they weren't having to sleep like on the floor in the loft of the studio. They actually right. had hotel yeah. rooms. It was James and Lars shared a room, and Kirk and Cliff shared a room. And I love Kirk's insights into what it was like you know, kind of living that intimately with Cliff saying, you know, they obviously they were young metalheads and they were going out and getting hammered and they'd come back to the room and Cliff would just want to keep playing guitar. Yeah. And he always had an acoustic guitar, an electric guitar. And he loved Leonard Skinner, loved Ed King, this guitar player. You know, that's an interesting window into Cliff, just always sort of exploring music. Yeah, for sure. And not and not just bass, you know, like playing guitars and being interested in harmony and composition and shit. I mean, we've 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 said it before, but I think which is why if he was still around, I think something like the Black Album might have been even more experimental. Yeah, people like to do the whole what if of like, you know, Cliff would have hated it. It's like I don't think so, dude. No, I fully disagree. I think I I think they could have who knows if even Justice would have been what it was. Right. Oh, good point. You know? Cliff might have wanted, you know, hey, let's maybe they would have started doing more black album esque stuff after puppets. We, we'll never know, obviously, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, I can't, I can't ever, you know, say that. Oh, Cliff would they would still would have been a thrash band if he never died. But I, I still th- maintain, yeah, I totally agree, and I and I still maintain that Harvester of Sorrow could have been on the black album, and yeah. that the struggle within Holier Than Thou and Through the Never could have been on Justice. Yeah, I agree. I don't see the, you know, like there's not the massive difference, I think, that it, it's just easy to categorize it in all these, like, ways where it's like, oh, this fits here, and this right. fits here for this narrative, and they sold out here. It's like, it's the same dudes playing the goddamn songs. It's the same front man singing and writing the lyrics. Yeah. 
They're not that different. Exactly. If there were two thrashy songs on uh, the Black Album, I think people would perceive that record completely different. You mean two more? No, I'm I'm, I'm talking like thrashy, like fast, like a battery speed, you know? Yeah. Well, oh, two, yeah. The, yeah. With the, the super fast punk rock kind of beats. If there were yeah, like there's, two of those yeah. on there, then I think, yeah, it'd be a whole different story on that record. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to look back and kind of like prism it through all these different because we know we know a lot more now, and we know what they would go on to do. I, I could see your average, uh, your average person who heard the Black Album for the first time maybe felt the way I did when I heard Saint Anger. Like, oh, is this the new thing that they're going to do forever now? Yeah, totally. And then, of course, the people who didn't like the Black Album, it would get worse before it got better for them because, yeah, you know, they're boohooing about holier than thou, and they hear the house that Jack built, and they're like, oh, <laughs> we did not know. They hear Mama said. Like, totally, totally. Second. We did not know how bad it was going to get yeah, for now us. Now you want Enter Sandman, don't you? Yeah, but all. Yeah, you're dumb. Um, another thing that happened around this time that kind of like plays a big part in what the sonic landscape of puppets is like is they just got this Mesa Boogie endorsement. They switched yep. over from Marshalls to Boogies, and I know that they were still using the Marshalls, and James kind of had this thing where he was piggybacking the preamp from the Marshall into a boogie, right? That's like a big thing he was doing. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the the it's definitely a tighter, um, less mid range, crunchier sounding record on the guitars than than Lightning. Yep, it totally is. I mean, but I mean, you're right. I mean, the, the, getting these Mesa boogie amps is kind of what helped shape the sound of that record. Now, I'm sure that they there was a Marshall or two in the studio and they were blending sounds and stuff like that. But I mean. That kind of changed them. I mean, everything after that, they started using Boogies Live and all this stuff. There's a. Are you familiar with a website called Gear Sluts? Yes. It's Eason. Sluts with a Z, Eason. right? Yes, I'm here. Yes, and it's just it's just a um, it's just a, a nerdy website for like music stuff. It's Gear Sluts with a Z dot com. Well, Fleming has gone on Gear Sluts and basically posted pictures of all the session notes. Yeah, I, I remember, I remember from puppets. that. And he, you know, like you can see, like, because back then you would actually write on a sheet of paper, like you would draw the knobs on an amp, and you would write where they were, yeah, so that you so that you could match tone if you had to overdub or something. And uh, I'm trying to find it now, but it's just such an amazing. Well, it'll it'll say what amp it is, what microphones being put on it. Right, it's like very you know? very detailed. Yeah, what EQ it's going through, compression, this and that. It's it's awesome. I mean, it's very cool of him to go on that website and post stuff to answer people's questions. It's it's if you just Google Fleming Rasmussen gear sluts, it'll come up, and, and it's it's yeah. extremely detailed, and it's a very long thread. Yeah, um, I'm looking right now. So there's nine pages of it, and it's just people saying Fleming, thank you so much. Like, what did James do for blah blah blah? And it's Fleming just answering it. That's so cool. What a good guy that Fleming. Let's see. Like for example, a question is. Uh, do you remember if the cabs were loaded with STD speakers, vintage 30s, or greenbacks? Talking about the guitar cabinets. He says, what guitars right. did James use on the record? Gibson Explorer, ESP? And it's just Fleming writing back. Hi, Alberto. Pretty sure they were all recorded with Gibson Explorer. As far as I remember, I never used a Flying V for rhythm guitars. For solos, yes. But for rhythm, always the Explorer or a Les Paul. He says, and as most of the cabs used for the recording ride were on loan, I have no idea what kind of speakers were in there. We don't. We didn't care about uh, speakers and cabs. If they sounded good, we used them. If not, we got different speakers. So he's just giving is, you those kind is, of like candid yeah. answers. 
Which is, but it's cool though because that's that. I mean, that, at the end of the day, in the studio, that's the truth. Like, you could have the most badass amp in the world, like a Dumble or something that's worth eight million dollars, right? With these handcrafted speakers, and you plug it in, you're like, "Yeah, hey, that's cool," but that's not the sound we need. Right, totally. You know, that's how it works in the studio. You you get the sound you want, and if that means it's out of a shitty little amp, then that's what you go with. Someone says, "What kind of mic did you use to record the twelve and fifteen uh, inch cabs for bass?" He says, "Hey, we used Neumann U87s, which is that's like a holy grail microphone. Yeah, and we used AKG 414s as ambience on some tracks. The cabs were stacked and had a mic on each, so two cabs, one mic each, close approximately two to four inches from the cone." Plus an ambient mic, two to three meters off to one side. Like wow, it's these kinds of details. Which if if you're interested in that shit, it's just like a treasure trove. It's really fun to read through for sure. And and Fleming, I mean, that's so you know kind and gracious of him to go take the time to go on there, post all that stuff, answer questions. He's all right in my book. <laughs> He's a good one. <laughs> okay, um, we have a whole episode on the puppets and um, and Fleming we've got a, and Fleming, and we've got a future episode on the puppets. Um, remaster box set stuff so we don't have to camp out in puppets land too much needless to say they recorded it history was made on september 14th they went and played the metal hammer festival other acts were venom nazareth wishbone ash warlock heavy petting heavy petting not pretty with an maids, ing <laughs> pretty maids running wild restless savage grace and tyron pace i'm gonna go ahead and say that the only other band i would like to see on that bill would be venom Maybe yeah. maybe heavy petting. Oh, I I wouldn't mind seeing Nazareth. Uh, now did Na- you're did messing Naz- with a son of a now you're Did Nazareth messing- was it them that ended up in the eighties getting really soft and doing um uh and I can't fight this feeling anymore. Was that them or was uh, that who was I'm that? I'm looking it, was, it up, homie. It was a band that was better before that. I didn't know that. They're a Scottish hard rock band formed in 1968 with several hits in the UK. Uh, their 1975 "Hair of the Dog," which is that "Now You're Messing with the Son of a Bitch" song. Oh, they right, did love. Yeah. They did love hurts. Love hurts. That's right. Yeah, that one was. Yeah. Love hurts. Love strong. Something else. I don't love. know. <laughs> Something else. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, the cool thing about this Metal Hammer show, which I think I believe you can watch this entire show on YouTube also, but one of the coolest things about it, which we will now play for you, is they it's their live debut of Disposable Heroes. Yes. Are we fucking nuts tonight? I said are we fucking nuts tonight? Fucking crazy fuckers.
because this because this is in the middle of the recording process. They didn't send it to mix until January of '86 with our friend Michael Wagner, which you guys should also check that episode out. Whole episode on yep, uh, Michael Wagner, dude. By who, the way, uh, uh, mastered. I can't find this feeling was Ario Speedwagon. Yeah, come on, dude. God, are you not an Ario? Ario? I'm trying to think of a funny like uh, fan club name. The Ario Speedwagoner. <laughs> Ario Speed Michael Wagner. Um, I just love watching James's right hand during Disposable Heroes. I know that would have been so exciting to debut this song. I mean, they spent all these months working on it. Um, you know, and they're that's finally a monster. Getting to, to, that's a monster to play live too. Oh yeah, so good. Cliff's little. I know. Super fun. Oh yeah. December 29th, they play at Sacramento, the Memorial Auditorium, with Y&T and Armored Saint. And then, this is interesting, New Year's Eve, they play a pretty raucous gig, hometown gigs, for them, San Francisco at the Civic Center, with Exodus, Metal Church, and none other than, hello, Megadeth. I think this is the first show they actually played together since he got kicked out. Yeah, it's, it's an odd bill, I think. Very odd. I would imagine the fucking tensions were high at that show because Dave is fresh off of. I mean, to him, it's still new. Today, oh, well, that's it's still that's, new. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Dave. In every intervening year since then. But I mean, you know, two years later, and they're playing a show together, and Megadeth is just starting, and you know, I think at this point they might have had Killings My Business out, but um, yeah, uh, great lineup, and also of course, of course, you have Kirk's old band on the bill too, which is Exodus. Yep. So th- that's kind of it's if if you look at it with rose colored glasses, like oh, it's kind of this like big family night because Metal Church is um, John Marshall's band, their guitar tech. Yeah. So you know, but I I doubt it was that. I doubt it was like a big fucking episode of Full House up in that bitch. I'm sure it was. I'm sure there was some probably drama. not. Or I can imagine like you know the dudes were like oh we're playing with we're playing with Dave like let's uh let's try to be nice or they maybe they just ignored each other all night. I think from what I can tell the Metallica dudes have always been cool, and then when they re-released that or not re-released when we started to see all this new footage from the Puppets era, there's a you know that thing where um they're ta- they're taking phone calls at the radio station right yeah and you hear a guy asking about Megadeth and Lars is like oh you know we just saw him. In New York, he's doing press for his new record, and it's really good. And yeah. uh, we didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him, but we did get to like say hello. And I think what he's doing is really great. He's they, being they, fucking cool, dude. Yeah, they've always always complimented Dave. And like, even if you, even if you watch the Megadeth behind the music, James and Lars are in it, and they're talking about. I think it's about Rest in Peace, maybe about what a great record it was. And they, yeah, there's always been nothing but good vibes coming from the Metallica boys towards Dave. Well. Have you seen that bat behind the scenes of the Big Four, where Lars is telling Dave that his son is a huge Megadeth fan? Yeah, totally. That's all pretty interesting stuff. It's that's, there's so much drama there, dude. I know. Still, it's, it's, he still brings it up. I will say this: this December thirty first show of eighty five is also in my top ten of like time machine shows to go see. Yeah, because you know, hometown New Year's Eve, everyone's fucking crazy. Roads where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's good. Oh man, Marty, you have to come back with me. Where back to the future. 
Backed in 1985, December 31st at the Civic Center. <laughs> this, this involves Jennifer. Bring her, too. This is heavy, Doc. <laughs> There's that word again. Heavy. Is there something wrong with Earth's gravitational pull in 19... 19- <laughs> and this is also 1985 in the movie. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, oh my I God. finally make that connection. Oh, my God. Who's president in 1985? Well, wait a minute. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? <laughs> oh, that doesn't get old. It does make All my, right. throat, my throat hurt, though. Yeah, I know. That's why we could never do a whole... Oh, guess what was on the bus yesterday? Coming uh-huh. to America. Yes, yes. I can. Now, you know him as Joe the Policeman from the Who's Looking Out episode of That's My Mama. <laughs> that sounds so good. <laughs> Randy Watson. Thank you very much. Uh, that boy good. All right. Uh, what can we say? We did 1985. Our schedules are getting crazy, as we mentioned earlier. We might just ride out this uh, year in the life shit for the next month or so. Yeah. But we've got hey. good stuff coming up. We're going to be doing Lulu soon. We're going to be doing the uh, Puppets box set, the Lightning box set. We've got some more live DVDs to do. We're going to be re- revisiting other records. When the shows start happening this year, we're going to be doing tailgate episodes. Hey, speaking of speaking of Master of Puppets, I, I don't think we uh, talked about this one last little fact, which was the live debut of Master of Puppets. The song. Oh, at, at, the, at the New Year's show? Yeah, at the New Year's show. Well, why don't we say goodbye to the people and send them out with that? We're about to play for you the live yeah. debut of Master of Puppets. Um, we appreciate everyone who's on the ride with us, all you new Patreons out there, everyone who sends us an email and lets us know how the show helps them. Uh, we love you guys. We're excited. We're as excited as ever to be Metallica fans. I know you Absolutely. all are too. Uh, go check out Patreon. Go check out the iTunes reviews. We got a great website. Come hang out with us on Instagram. We're having a good time over there. Anything else going on, Ethan? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'll be leaving for tour uh, the day this episode drops uh, with that band, reggae band Morgan Heritage. So, Go to their website, search for their tour dates, and see if I'm going to be in a city near you, and maybe we can grab a beer and hang out and hold hands or something. And buy an almanac. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get out of here. All right. Peace. Adios.
you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that.